Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Nerd She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Wednesday. I'm Dave DeFore here with Seth Bartnow and Moda Keel. So that means it's Nerder, she wrote. Seth is still recovering from an attack, <laughs> a pre-show attack from his cat. Not uh, the type of cat a- type of cat attack I normally want, yeah, but let but, me just tell you, the yeah. look on Seth's face right now and what I think a, a smell that shall linger throughout this podcast. Um is going to delight me the rest of the way. Like, I'm just so disappointed we weren't recording in the moment. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, guys. Um, Yeah, uh, guys, uh, I want to start with the Doc Rivers. Um, What a transition. A cat part to Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers had a, a, a very interesting All-Star weekend, guys. In in, in what it was has proven to be a, a pretty disinterested All-Star weekend. Doc had an interesting weekend. It seems like every interview he he's doing right now is some combination of I don't want to be here and I tried to tell them this was a bad idea. And things haven't been going well. Like, they haven't been winning games. I, I will say their defense has looked better with Doc. Um, but the offense is not. And it, it, it they are not winning basketball games with Doc. They actually have, a, you know, a better winning percentage with Adrian Griffin. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think about Doc's comments as far as I, I tried to tell ownership this was a bad idea taking over the team right before a road trip and the all-star break was a bad idea. Is this just, is doc just trying to deflect? I mean, I, what do you guys see here? So there's a lot of things going on here. The first is sort of the, the, there, there's certain things that like everyone lies about in the NBA and everyone just pretends to believe. And one of those things is like the unwritten rule that a coach never like goes for another coach's job. And look, I don't know if I don't know what did or didn't happen here, but I think that's something that's that's largely honored in the breach in general. And so it's like, oh, I would never go after someone's job who already had it, even though, wait, this is a this is a possibly championship level team that's obviously got deficient coaching. I don't have a job right now. Uh, put two and two together and yeah, the phone was answered. Uh, but you know, the, 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 the thing to say is I would never do that. And so it's, that's his way of, of, of claiming that, you know, you know, it's the same thing. Oh, we would never talk about trading this guy or, or anything like that when, yeah, we talked about trading this guy or, uh, when everyone knows the other thing is true, but we just pretend to believe it or not in this case. There's a lot 
to kind of flesh out with this whole situation with Doc Rivers and the and the Bucks and Adrian Griffin and everything that's gone on from the I'm a consultant to, you know, when they called me, I said, why would you do this? And all of that stuff. I, there's just a lot of stuff there. The things I don't like with it, one already kind of coming out and saying to the, I asked, I thought ownership, I told ownership, this was a bad idea. What are you doing? Let's do it after the all-star break and all that stuff. You're already throwing ownership under the bus. So it's already not your fault. Like it's, it's, it's a continued pattern of I'm just laying out the excuses now for everything. Taking over a team in season is hard. We all know that we've, we have said this a million times every, I mean, how many times also Ty Lu did that and won a championship. So like, you know, and, and, and situations are all different. I'm not saying Doc's going to go win the title or whatnot, but I just think there's a lot of stuff that's going on with, in this stuff with doc where he is, he sees it now. He sees all the problems that maybe Adrian Griffin saw and that he didn't understand. And he realizes the situation's a little more dire. And I think he's just getting ahead of the, I'm trying to control the narrative. And I'm just, I told you guys back in February, right? I didn't think we had this. And, and I think that's the kind of stuff. And then, and then he looks like a genius if they do, right. If they go right, with the championship, He's saying, yeah. uh, "Look at all I've overcome, to to and and we've won because of my greatness." There's a lot of stuff there. I mean, you guys know, everybody knows. I'm not a big Doc Rivers fan. Like everything, cards on the table. Obviously, he let me go with the Clippers after his first season. I deserve to be let go. I, I didn't have a great season as a video guy. I would have fired me as well. But just watching him through the whole all the years and everything I've seen, this is just this is Doc. This is Doc Rivers. It's always do it, something. Well, doing that's, damage control before the damage has been done, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it, it's and and I actually think Mo, this is a great point that you just made. He didn't know maybe how bad it was. Like, maybe like the maybe the locker room really is bad. Uh, maybe maybe the vibes are are awful, and we just don't know. And maybe Doc is seeing it from the inside now, but. I'll ask Seth just because Mo, you just you just gave your your piece on this, but isn't he really just making it worse by going out and and addressing it like this instead of saying, "Well, it's a process," and you know, going through the platitudes, the the new coach platitudes. You know, we gotta we gotta feel each other out and all these things. Wait, isn't that the easier way? Well, again, it's it's sort of as, as Mo said, controlling the narrative, and to think this is not. Certainly not the first time. I mean, I think that, you know, we've we've said a lot of stuff about Ben Simmons over the years, but I thought I thought at the time and still continue to think that um, it was it was kind of funny that Joel Embiid got like flack for, quote unquote, uh, you know, throwing Ben Simmons under the bus after their their loss to Atlanta in the playoffs a couple of years ago. But like. Embiid tried for like he was he was like in a you know in an, in in like a in, uh, police interrogation like like trying eight different ways to like not answer the question. Then finally he's like, "What do you want me to say?" He didn't dunk. Uh, whereas Doc was right. No, look at this guy. I mean, what am I supposed to do? This guy won't. I don't know. And 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 so and, and we've sort of seen a pattern in practice. And like I just said earlier, it's it's you know you look at any one of the the shortfalls. 
And you can say, well, it was because of this reason or that reason. But then you look at it in aggregate and the results don't match the talent. And it's always something. And so that's like, you know, that's what you're buying. But at the same time, for where the Bucks were and a team that was coached, that was so poorly coached, they were drawing dead as a postseason team this year. Like Doc is a good coach. He's not a great coach. And some of his shortfalls are in this area in that he's trying to get ahead of the narrative instead of just like, well, fix it. And then there is no narrative. Um, but that's still an improvement for Milwaukee. So it's on one hand, this is annoying if you're a Bucks fan, but it's still an improvement, which is a not awesome spot to be in. Not for Adrian Griffin. Um, the <laughs> In that this is all an improvement. But I think the, the stuff that's problematic with all of this stuff is like the players know that this is going to get blamed on him. He's going to blame them at the end of this, if not this at the end of this season, next season or, or whatnot, should they fail? I mean, he already did with the half the team was in Cabo when he lost to a, a very, very, very depleted Memphis. team. A G no, it was a G league Memphis team. Oh, okay. And, 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 and it's like, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that you're, you know, and, and so there's that, you know, when you go back to when they asked him, was it last year when they asked him about, blowing all those playoff leads series leads and stuff and then he ran through it and and basically was like that orlando team shouldn't even been up 3-1 you know they were terrible (laughs) and and naming guys and and all that stuff and then outlining all that stuff as a player you're kind of looking around and going like yo when this doesn't go right he's gonna put this on me and and that's damon Giannis. He's going to put it on them, you know, in that sense. And I'm not even talking about the end of this season. Just in general, at some point when this doesn't go right, he's going to start to do that. And it's the pattern that's been the case for him. It's always something. There's always an excuse. Uh, Kendrick Perkins is hurt. Otherwise, we would have won two championships. You know, the everything with the Clippers. That Clipper locker room was terrible. It was a mess. It was, you know, and he's right. He's not wrong about that. Like in that sense, it was, they, they had a lot of issues there. Some of it was of his own creation. Yeah. Is, is and, that and, part of the job? Yeah. That's that the, job. the job. Yeah. That's the job, right? Philly. I couldn't get James Harden to continue to play the way I wanted him to after the all-star break. Fair enough. That's the job though. That's why you coaches get let go. Cause they couldn't get buy-in from guys. And I think those are the things you're looking at. I'm just curious. What's his excuse when he shanks a ball on the golf course? Was it the ball? <laughs> was it the tee? Was it the club? Was, you know, like, is there a bird flying? Like I, it's, there's just, he's, we all know these dudes. There's always a dude that has an excuse for why there's, everything doesn't happen. That- and it just doesn't say, Yo, I did messed up. There, there's a great, great short story from like a turn of the century kind of. Uh, uh, it's kind of a sports fiction author named Rig Lardner. Uh, and the name of it is Alibi Ike. And it's a guy who's a really good baseball player who always hasn't, like, as you said, always has a reason why something didn't go right. Even though it's like, just shut up and be good and people will like you. But because of like the, the, the constant, well, it was just because of blah, blah, blah. Like he becomes sort of a joke. And it opens yourself up to what I'm about to do. Doc Rivers won one title in 08. Is that one of the easiest coaching jobs anybody's ever had to win a title? He had four Hall of Famer. I mean, he had Kevin Garnett in his peak. 
I, I just, I'm not, he's, I'm he's, not. It's, 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 that one title has carried him a very long way. I'm gonna when do, it comes I, to being criticized. I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you. I'm going to disagree with you in that it was, there's no such thing as an easy title. He did a That's hell of fair. a job, coached them and got to the finals, a year, uh, not the next season, but the season after all that stuff. He did a phenomenal job. He is a good coach. His X's and O's mm-hmm. is very good. Like I love his stuff, the stuff that he runs. I saw it at first hand, like it's good stuff. I understand it. You know, there's other things that go into coaching that I think he, he has a problem with. But you are right, Dave, in this. And we said it when he got the job. Never has anybody gotten so much out of one championship than Doc Rivers. Out of winning one championship and getting to the finals another time. We don't talk about Rick Carlisle the way we talk about Doc Rivers. We don't talk about Spo the way we some people talk about Doc Rivers. We don't talk about Ty Lue that way. Like the, the amount that he is able to squeeze out of that one championship run is amazing. And at a certain point, you kind of got to look around and go like, all right, well, does he still got it in all of those things? My thing with Doc, man, just stop talking. You don't have to do all of these interview requests. You don't, man. Just coach. Just coach now. Okay? I don't want to, besides the pregame and postgame press conferences, I don't want him running on Frank Isola and saying, I can't believe they gave this to me, even though they offered me $40 million. And I'd have been, <laughs> and he'd have been dumb to turn it down. I'd have, so he's I'd have, two coaches in the league that don't want to be there. I, I love that. That's it's amazing. Yeah, I, I'd have done, I'd have taken it in a heartbeat, right? Like, even if it's like, I, you guys are stupid, but I'm taking that money. I'm not yeah. mad at him for that stuff. I just, just all the other stuff. And I know it's an awkward position getting the all-star job basically being the all-star coach in this situation, I know it's an incredibly awkward position for Doc in that regards, and I don't envy him there, but, like, got to stop saying all these things, man, and just coach. I would say uh, the flip side of this is, I mean, our, you know, we're taking the job of being the coach is one thing, and if, uh, on the other hand, this is a guy who's been an NBA head coach continuously for 25 years, basically. So uh, if, if we're going to measure success that way, which is, you know, not the way I would measure it, but certainly like not a lot of people can say that. And so there's something that is there. There's a game that has been figured out. It's just maybe not the game on the floor. <laughs> uh, let's talk about another coach. Uh, Jacques Vaughn let go by the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Kevin Ollie, who's been his assistant, is go- has been uh, announced as the interim head coach. For the rest of the season, and you know, I'm assuming they're going to go out and look for a, a coach this summer. Maybe Mikael Bridges will have a say in this. I, I'm not sure. It does seem like they want to build around Mikael Bridges, but I was a little bit surprised by this. Um, the The Nets were a good early season success story, and then they had that game, the end of December, where they kind of. Sat a bunch of guys, and it just feels like the wheels fell off for them after that. Um, how much of this, you know, did you guys see coming? I was surprised. Yeah, I was. I was surprised too. I just think the. It's just funny to me. What's the plan with the Nets? Okay, for whatever reason, you wanted to fire Jock. The team wasn't responding to him. You were 15 and 15. I'm sure it was management and the coaching staff that decided to sit five players and then three more during the game and basically throw away a game. 
um, with all that. But what's the plan with Brooklyn? Like, what's their plan? Honestly, like if and Dave, if you're right and Mikhail Bridges has a say in who's the coach, I'm done. I am done. Like that's uh, there are 29 NBA teams in the in the league because that's just dumb. I'm sorry. The dude I like Mikhail Bridges at best is a third option. The fact that they had all of these, the the Houston offered to give them all of their picks back for Mikhail Bridges, and they were like, no, how dare you? We want to build around Mikhail Bridges. How are you building around? That's like building around Kyle Kuzma. Like, how are you building oh, around that whoa. team? No, it's, no, but like, how are you building around a dude that's not going to, is not good enough? to be your number one or number two guy. And you know how I know that you're not near the playoffs or the play. Like, what are we doing? Like in, in all of this stuff, like this is the thing. Mikhail Bridges had an unbelievable end of the season last year. When he went to Phoenix, everybody jumped on board. Oh, this dude's amazing. He's unbelievable. All of this stuff. Da, da, da. He's the guy to build around all this stuff. And the Nets did not evaluate this situation properly and understand that like they bought into the hype more than what was actually there because in all of that stuff they were losing games i'm going to i'm going to sound like a grump all podcast this, uh, this, is, this is perfect this is, this no, is no, no, the, the, i'm just I'm, listen i'm just it's, uh, it's out here hitting that, fungo it, it's striking me that uh, like if it, like the like the uh, the polls of in the nerder uh, pantheon are on one hand Shea Gilgis alexander and on the other end Mikhail bridges for you know and i was going. correct on both yeah. <laughs> i was there before everybody yeah, whereas dave and i love mikhail bridges but no i i think that like i don't i don't i don't think it's like you know in terms oh, i love i love mikhail bridges but also i agree with mo so no, I, I, just, I, I, no, I mean yeah. i mean you know have a say sort of uh there's a lot that fits under there like yeah. ask your best player what like what like who his what he thinks is a certain guy that's great that's fine uh how much are you weighing that in your decision if it's more than just like a tiebreaker, I agree with Mo, but I don't think we can like it's I it doesn't Jacques Vaughn signed maybe, an extension literally a year ago, man. Like yeah. I don't know, like who's making these decisions? Seth, Seth, like, I'm not is, even calling Mikhail and asking his opinion on the guys. It's who my coaches are. Like it's not it's not this. even that point. In this situation, no, no, but in this situation, like it's Jeremy Grant 2.0. This is what I told you guys a while ago about Mikhail Bridges. It's the same. He's better than Grant. He's better than Grant, but it's basically because he's the 2.0 version. He's the improved <laughs> Jeremy Grant in that sense. But it's like, it's just this is, and we talk about this a lot. This is the organization not actually evaluating their players and their situation. Maybe they're overvaluing and all that stuff. How do you not jump on that situation to get your picks back? And you know you're going to be bad. How do you not jump on that for and, and then build? Can I can I call an audible from what well, we were because I think wait, a, there's second. a great point. Okay, go ahead. One second. If you t just ignore the fact that it's Brooklyn getting their own picks back. Why would you ever turn down that many picks for Mikhail Bridges? Just in a vacuum. It, they could be picks from the, I don't know, from the Nuggets. They're going to be the 30th pick every, it doesn't matter. There's so many, that's so it's, it's many even, draft it's assets. Even better than that, Dave, because it's, guess what? With all these picks that you're getting, you actually control where they go because <laughs> they're your own. <laughs> it just doesn't, I'm, I'm lost on this. And because again, like, like Mo just pointed out, this is not even a play-in team this year. 
There's nothing there worth preserving. I mean, Cam Thomas is like, you know, the only. So we we hadn't we we, we when we talked about what we we're going to do on the show. This is a team that did not come up, but no. I think it's by we by were version just talk by, about Jacques, yeah, yeah, but no, by version of geography, the the comparison is natural, and it's, and uh, before the All Star break, I I kind of I I posited that since Leon Rose took over, the Knicks have been the best run franchise in the NBA. Um, and you know, there's some discussion about that, but I think we can agree that they've done largely very well. Like their one mistake was their one mistake mistake was the Cam Reddish trade. And it seems like they've learned from that in terms of making sure that, you know, coach front office are all sort of involved with this bit. Um, but the, the, the comparison that I'm thinking of there is like for the nets. Okay. They went through all this turmoil, but they came out okay on the other side. Because I did th- do think they, broadly speaking, came out okay on the other side from an asset perspective. But Mikhail Bridges is like the avatar, the shining example of, look how well we, we flipped that script, and so we can't possibly give up on him. And the comparison is the Knicks. The Knicks have done very well in kind of drafting and finding guys late in the first. And then, okay, well, uh, we did that. Um we need to trade Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly for to upgrade our roster. Okay, well, we did the good thing. We're not gonna we're not gonna keep them around because look how smart we were to find them. We're going to take the smart thing we did and then use that to make our team better. And I think that that's uh, when you're talking about evaluating where you are as a team. I think that's that is the thing the Knicks or among the things the Knicks have done so well that has put them in a situation where. I mean, I think if we we would if we were going to rank the most likely teams to come out of the East right now, I think we'd all agree the Knicks were second most likely. Yeah, feels like it. Uh, um, and you know, and they've done that without like a massive free agent signing or bringing in a superstar trade or like a super high draft, like a, a super high can't miss draft pick. They've they've you know small balled their way. To, they, they've hit doubles and singles their way to be in this position. And I think that's exactly what that if, that self-evaluation that Mo's talking about is exactly what they've done well that the Nets seemingly failed at in this instance. And, and you know, and they did, they had a high draft pick, RJ Barrett, and they used him in a trade to actually upgrade their roster with a guy that I, I think like OG is going to be a big piece for them long-term too. I mean, they they've used those assets even when they've spent them, they've used them pretty well. I mean, I, I like RJ. I, I think that he was always going to be a part of a of a trade package for them. I mean, the Nets, this is the way I look at the Nets, and it's this is a very uh, – an old analogy I used. When they got KD and Kyrie, I called them the nerdy kid that all of a sudden the hot girl was really into, and they and they dumped all their friends and, and became cool and were with the, the – the hot girl for a while. You know how that relationship ends in the movies, right? Is like the hot girl, like usually spits the guy out, right? Like that's where they're at right now. And they're trying to find themselves the turmoil and stuff. See, and and Mikhail getting- Bridges was the first person that kind of came along to them. And that's why they can't let him go. Right. Like it's that, that's really the, uh, the way I'm kind of looking at it in that sense, they need to get back to basics. Brooklyn needs to go gonna... find a nerdy girl and get her to take her glasses off. Take her off. glasses off, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> all, of, all of their problems. I love that we're on the same page here. Uh, guys, um, I, look, we we didn't have to talk about the All-Star game because it's Wednesday and, you know, games come back tomorrow. We can start looking Thank ahead. But um, it was oh, it sorry. was a, it was such a dud uh, of a game. Um, 
that I wanted to at least give you guys a chance to uh, to talk about it a little bit. And really, I, I got to ask, has analytics ruined the All Star Game? <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna that that, that that's no. A shot. We'll get to um, that. No, but I the, I mean the I game think was we, listen, man. It, it, there's a do I do I need everyone to care about everything all the time? No, not really. Um, do I need the do I need the guys to go and have fun? Yeah, that's what I really care about. Like so, if the, the All Star game, the All Star game, right? It's supposed to be fun. It's like a celebration, right? But, I don't need but, it to be. What's the point of the game itself? It's it's something that at one point definitely had, you know, in a different media environment where like there wasn't league pass and where, you know, there's one national game a week and maybe some teams had cable deals like getting to see these guys. But what what's the like what purpose does it serve now? Does it exist sheerly out of inertia? I'm not talking necessarily about all star weekend. And that's a whole other debate we can have. Yeah. But like the the game itself, what purpose is it meant to serve? And if you, until you answer that question, you're going to be in this situation where it's just kind of like, all right, the ratings were pretty good. I almost think that's a bad thing. Like you had a you had a, a sports weekend largely all to yourself, and people are coming off the like you know kind of general sports fan. Super Bowl is the weekend before. Baseball hasn't started yet. Maybe they're, you know, they prefer basketball to hockey. Uh, and that's, and that's what you, you, you know, you have it all to yourself and that's what you give. Great. They watched. Are they ever tuning in again? Um, but what, what is the, what is the purpose that it serves in the calendar? And, you know, the, there's the marketing convention aspect of it that doesn't require the game at all. So why do, why are we even like rolling the ball out and watching guys jack up 35 footers? All right, cancel the game. We're done. We don't need to have it All ever right. again. Go, no, I go. mean, that's that's the that's yeah. the look. No, I don't. I agree with you, Seth. And I think the point that gets lost a lot is we don't need to be. To, we we have the ability to watch these guys on a nightly basis now. Any team you want to watch, whether you know it's it's Minnesota, Oklahoma, Lakers, whoever, unless you didn't block out rules, um, you can catch at any point. And I think that's you know throughout the course of the season. It's the game is much more accessible than it used to be. It's fine. All that stuff. My thing is, if you're going to suit up, then play. I don't ever want to hear any of these dudes talk about Mamba mentality again. Cause Kobe would have been pissed. I don't ever, I mean like, just, just stop then just say, Hey, I don't want to play. I'm not showing up. I'm not coming. What not all that stuff. Just don't, just don't waste our time with these things. And all that stuff. And to be honest, I actually enjoyed the game. There was fun stuff in the game. Bam Adebayo throwing the ball off of Jokic's ass and then drilling a three and then Jokic complaining to Tony Brothers in an exhibition game about it. I was laughing for five minutes about that. I enjoyed it. It was fun for me. The Like there were highlights that were fun. It was fun and all that stuff and things like that. Yes, it wasn't competitive. I think the the I the only thing I worry about is this is when you can pull in new fans. This is when this is a star-studded event, and the NBA needs to do a better job of getting stars. And I don't just mean players. I didn't know half the YouTubers. Now, maybe it's because I'm old, but like, you know, like, you know, I think the 
the you need to make sure you have fun people on the sidelines and things like that with with all the things that are going with it. But I think that's your way to pull in people. And part of that is those guys got to compete to pull in new fans. And and sorry, Dave, one second. But just the reason why, and I'm going to explain it to the, this is how I would have explained it to the players. We have a media rights deal coming. You want the cap to keep going up. I'm, I'm, a, I'm appealing to their greed. You want the cap to keep going up so you can keep getting bigger paychecks. So put on a show and compete out there. So that we can continue to do that. Oh, we're all going to be retired by the time that, I mean, no, but I mean, the, that's the counterpoint is for the, like the guys who are like the tone setters in that situation, which are going to be, you know, the guys who are into their thirties, you know, your, your Stephs and LeBrons and whoever else. Okay. Well, that's cool. Five years from now, when I'm, when I'm on set talking about the game, the cap will have gone up. Yay. Right. Like, I, I mean, it's, I, I the think incentive, one big I, problem. I think, yeah, go one ahead. big problem. It's too long. NBA game, it's too like it should be maybe an eight minute quarter at, for the exhibition instead of twelve. Because not only look, it, it is fun. I actually think there were a lot of fun moments. I mean, and the whole weekend had a lot of fun moments. And I think the more like we get these guys' character and personality and and can capture that, the better. Part of it is that game is too long. Those guys, they they're not out. There. Look. This break is important in the middle of the season. And I'm not saying they can't go and play hard for one night. I actually would rather they played it like 75% trying to do stuff, have fun, try the Globetrotters uh, approach. I, I would even say like have the league lean into the fun. Do That's a four-point spot, right? Do a four-point spot. Do Make it fun. Um, was this game kind of, I, I think – one of the worst examples of competitive basketball ever. Yeah, but I never expected it to be competitive. You know, our, our producer, Eshua Kid is in the chat, and he said his nine-year-old was asking him during the game if any any team had ever scored 200 points in a game. And, his, and he got hyped to see it. I get that. It's That's fun. Like, as long as they're doing fun stuff, it, it shouldn't matter. I think the biggest, the biggest takeaway is that kids do enjoy this. I was in Chicago for the, for the last, the, the, you know, the pandemic year, the COVID year. When, when they switched to the Elam inning and they had the, the, the teams playing for the, the Boys and Girls Club and you had the kids on the, on the floor rooting for the, for the players, the players were more into it. I would love to see the NBA lean into making the all-star game a kids event. I think they can learn from what Nickelodeon's doing with the Super Bowl broadcast. I think that there's a lot of low-hanging fruit if people would just quit worrying about Gucci and Prada and Louis Vuitton and worry about basketball. And that leads me, guys, We solved it. I got more points. No, and I'll, well, I'll, no, but they already—you can't because they already used them all in the All Star game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a 400 point guy, Seth. Okay. Understand that. Um, no, first off, Dave, you are a thousand percent correct. This is for the kids. Like, let's just be honest. Everybody who's complaining about the All Star game are old people like me. Like, let's just be honest. It's all yelling at clouds or whatnot. And again, I wasn't mad on Sunday. Like with the like everybody. Like I was like, yeah, it's the way the All Star game goes. Sometimes it's Sometimes it's close. Sometimes it's not. Also, Tyrese Halliburton making five straight threes, you know, in the first quarter. Like, this is a guy that 
a lot of probably kids don't know much about. Like it's a fun sort of thing in that sense. Like I enjoyed the game actually. It wasn't all that competitive, but still there was fun stuff in that stuff. Making it for kids is the most important thing because that's again what grows the game and 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 keeping it going for them st- with that stuff. Yes, Seth. We we in one second. <laughs> I have my part of my four hundred. Oh, now you're frozen. Yes, no, um, I'm not frozen. I'm oh, not frozen. I'm just being a statue and saying it's for the kids. Can't start it like no. You that's know, we that can't have forty five minute introductions. That's and, the other thing. Yeah, start this thing earlier. It's on a Sunday. Start this thing. I know it was what President's Day weekend this 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 week, but like start it at like two. Or something like that and 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 really just kind of have it that way for the kids in that regard and and build it out from there but i just think like the other thing is this is an opportunity for some of these dudes who don't get opportunities on national tv to really go hard so go hard man like i and dave you touched on it with the brands and all of this stuff and these guys just caring about that stuff yo make a name for yourself at these things not just the All-Star game, but that's how you build the following to go forward. Anthony Edwards going through. Everybody's had a laugh with him doing the shooting contest, whatever, left-handed. The right, the the skills competition, yeah. left-handed. Okay, yeah, that's fun. He's not taking it seriously, though, and now it's like, okay, it was a lost opportunity. I'm, I killed Shaden Sharp a year ago for not entering the dunk contest because this is an opportunity for people to know your name. Like, players need to understand that. This is an opportunity, and that's the big thing with the All-Star game. And it's an opportunity to for uh, Esh's kid to become a fan of some random player. And then when he goes to school going like, why the hell are you wearing this Pacers uniform? And it's like, yo, did you see Tyrese Halliburton hit five threes in a row? I love that guy. Like, this is your opportunity for all that stuff. This is what This is the point of the All-Star game. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out, birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10 minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60 minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Those uh, Mac McClung jerseys just flying off the shelves right now, I'm guessing. All right, we're running out of time, and I want to get to the the last topic because, I, I number one, this is the show for it. This is the, If anybody else stumbles on this topic, just refer to this one because we're the ones to talk about it. Someone sent me uh, a, a thread from Reddit, uh, and I'm not, I don't have it pulled up, but, but I thought it was a pretty smart line of thinking. Um, asking the question, 
is the movement toward analytics in sports, and, and I'm distilling this, is the movement toward analytics in sports most observable in the NBA and the way that the NBA game is played? And I think coming off the heels of an all-star game with a 135 threes, which is just absurd. Uh, this is a good question because I, I think that if, if you consider the, let's say the three major sports, I, Seth, actually, if we want to add in hockey, you could, you can definitely talk about how analytics is affect uh, hockey in a way that I can't, but baseball, you know, it's home runs, strikeouts. Like we, we kind of know that batted balls in play or it's, it's way down compared to, you know, pre analytics days football. They go for it on fourth and short distance. Now they don't kick as many field goals. They go for two. Those are, that's kind of marginal. It's still basically the same game basketball though. The entire geometry of the court has changed. I mean, it, it really has. I'm going to, I'm going to push back pretty strong. I think the three true outcome style of baseball is a, is a bigger change than even, even we've seen in basketball. So I, I think that from that stand, now, having said that, I think that there is, um, there, this is a tension in um, that is sometimes optimal play does not always equal entertaining play. Right. Um, and this, there's, there's no, and it's not that, that it, it, it necessarily does not equal it or is anti that it's just, those are, those are two separate kind of axes across which things, things which go. Um, and so to that standpoint, like if, analytics was actually just come down and jack up a three sure i think that would be that would be bad like aesthetically for the game i think that a lot of you know my sort of career in this industry has been spent that's not talking like yelling at you know uh, trying to push back against that freight train saying that's not actually what's happened um but at the same time you do have to take those aesthetic considerations seriously it's just you know like a lot of much more of what we're talking about in actual play is it's it's the, the the shots that have become threes are the, like the number of jump shots in an NBA game is higher now, but that's because of pace as a as a proportion of shots taken. It's just people are catching and shooting at 24 feet instead of 17 now, like largely. Um, so that's that in and of itself. I don't think you can say if you're honest about what's happened or observant about what's happened. Uh, it, I don't think that has quote unquote, ruin the game. Now, if that's the perception, that's still a problem. And part of what we try to do here is, is hopefully educate people a little bit on sort of what's actually happening. I come yes, here to just but yell. also entertain. I just come here to yell. Uh, mostly yeah. we, we try to entertain. Um, you know, Mo, uh, the, the scoring explosion came up a lot this weekend. Adam Silver obviously asked about it a ton. We've had a ton. Uh, we've had more 70-point individual scoring games in the last – couple seasons than we had for a long time. Um, and Mo, isn't this a little bit, yes, there's a, like a stylistic thing, but isn't this where like the league should be trying to tweak the settings, so to speak on the game. And, and like, maybe it's time to address three seconds in the paint for the defense and, and take that rule out. I mean, Mo, like we got to do something. Yeah, no, we've talked about it a ton. You know, on this podcast and our chats and our in our text groups and and across the boards, I just think like my first thing is just officiating and and all that stuff and and tweaking that. Part of it is, hey man, these guys are better now. They all shoot so the three ball now. They all and 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 with a proficiency that we've never seen before. 
you know, and it's it's like, I think, yeah, we're going to have more scoring in that sense. It's harder for defenses. I think we do need to tweak the rules to give defenses more chances. I like the idea, Dave, of taking out the defensive three second and just allow teams to play a straight zone if they want to and things like that. I think we need to give allow defenses to be a little bit more physical along the perimeter more. So, I mean, you can get tackled in the paint sometimes and not get a call. But if you cough on Trey Young, man, he's going to the free throw line. And I think there's those types of things. Like, we can get better with that stuff. And there's precedent for that in baseball. Like, to go to, like, baseball, I think, is the most affected by analytics. Just by thinking about the fact that, remember, it wasn't that long ago, they would just shift the entire defense to one side because this is the side the guy constantly hits to. Right. And, and, and they, they would just put all the guys there and, and that would be the, uh, 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 end of it. You know, they keep track of the pitchers count so much to the point that Kershaw got pulled out of a perfect game, you know, uh, last season, I think you have analytics as kind of stuff, but they've tweaked it now, right? Like baseball has changed the rules have taken out the shift. You can't really allow that. And I think there's, there's those things. That's where the NBA needs to start getting with that stuff along those lines. And it's not, it's not analytics has ruined the game. Seth makes a great point. Yeah. The product optimal play is not necessarily meshed with being a good product, but I just think it's more, we got to allow other ways to play defensively and things like that to allow teams to kind of figure that analytics. If you want to make the argument has ruined every sport. And in, 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 to a degree in terms of it's that, actually right? video games. It's actually yeah, video, video games. Yeah. Video games ruin, ruin sports because we, uh, you know, we, we were never kicking field goals. We were never punting. We were only hitting home runs. We were all sc- and we were winning under threes and we were winning we, all the time. So, so and that, I think that's the, like, if I can synthesize what we're, we're talking about here. But if I can if I can synthesize this, it's it's it is on the league to align the environment and the incentives for the because you can't say, well, guys, you got to try less to win and more to entertain people like that doesn't work right. either. I mean, we coming out of an all star game where nine hundred seventy three points were scored or whatever, um, you know, that that's not the that's not the thing that people are, are, are compelled by. So it's on the league to OK, teams are going to play the way that they think is the best way to win, because that's how players, coaches, execs, everyone up and down is rewarded. And that's how it should be. So you need to to impose a situation where the rules, the environment, how the game is officiated, the dimensions of the court, if need be, all of that needs to be examined in such a way that if I'm trying my hardest to win and they're trying their hardest to win, the mesh of that is something that that people find entertaining to the point where they're going to pay, whether watching on, on TV, coming to the games, doing those things. By the way, there, to, to circle briefly back to the All-Star game, the thing that terrifies me and should terrify the league is you mentioned there's a lot of highlights and, and you know, no disrespect to, to, to uh, she was kid, but, but uh, um, getting people to watch the game, if people are just consuming the game via highlights, the actual product withers and dies. And so there has to be some care and feeding given to taking an environment where not just seeing like the condensed game later, but at least, you know, 
maybe maybe not everyone's going to be a sicko like us and watch multiple games a night start to finish but getting people to watch 48 minutes of basketball and being entertained by that has to be the basis of it and that is on the league to okay these guys are going to try to win they're going to cut every corner play every angle to try to win how do we make the game so that when they're doing that it's a product that people enjoy and not one they reject because, oh, a guy flopped again and got free throws. Like, literally, don't hate the player, hate the game on that. Like, I, you know, I've been as critical as Trey Young and his sort of foul seeking behavior. But if it works, then, like, you know, is that his fault? I don't think so. So I think that's, that's the, the underlying thing that needs to be addressed. And that, if, if there's a meta point about, a lot of the dissatisfaction we have with the NBA as a product, it's that it seems like they've lost sight of that is the prime thing and, and not servicing that in, in, in the desire to do brands and augmented reality and turn the court into a theater and, and all this other stuff, which is great. If everything else was good and you do that on top, it's good. But if you do that instead, you're losing the underlying thing and, that like as someone who loves basketball and you know has done has made a decent career out of you know both in and around the game kind of terrifies me that there's a possibility of that kind of being lost and it all going away it's gotten to the point where it doesn't feel like the nba cares about the game anymore and that's the the concern i have with it and you know there was something i read a long time ago forget where i apologize to the author but it was david stearns was like whenever we were at basketball whenever the nba was in trouble we just returned to the game so we need to just return to the game the game itself is great go watch the end of the uh golden state clippers the other day and the clippers make a massive comeback i'm actually re-watching it now we'll probably put up clips later but like the game itself is great it doesn't need that much tweaking the game itself. We just allowed the conversation to be about transactions, about brands, about fit, what guys wear when they walk into the, the stadium. We've lost the game. And that's the thing that bothers me the most. Like, I'm going to get on my soapbox for like the 50th time today. Um, but like, I just, I got to write an article last week for The Athletic that doesn't get written anywhere else doesn't get published anywhere else it was a straight x's and o's article okay it wasn't anything earth shattering it wasn't about trends it wasn't about anything i saw three plays over the course of a few weeks and i actually had more but i had to cut it down that i was found very interesting just basketball plays and got to write about it that's the returning to the game. The NBA needs to get back to the game, to the stuff on the court that matters. All the other stuff on the side doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't right now. Needs to focus on the game. Make it so that people tune in in that sense. It's more than just, you like these highlights? Cool. Watch the freaking game because there's so many more of these. And I think that's the important thing that the NBA has lost sight of in terms of the product on the court. And it's not analytics. It's not the video games and this and that. And I know we have shorter attention spans now and everything that goes with it. Trust me, if it's good, people will tune in and be excited. We just got to return to the game. Sports are at their best when they're about sports. That's going to do it for this week, folks. For Seth and Mo, I'm Dave, and this has been Nerder. She wrote on 
Athletic NBA Show.